A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you've joined us on the program today. Now, listen, I I hate to talk about Virginia two days in a row, but honestly, this is about more than just Virginia. You know, we had the lobby day yesterday in Richmond. I'm glad to see that uh, uh, everything went off well. (laughs) I do have to note, though, uh, several of the news reports I saw said, oh, this event fizzled. There weren't many people. Look, this was never supposed to be about thousands of people showing up on the ground in Richmond, Virginia. That, That wasn't going to happen given the closure of Capitol Square Uh, The fact that the legislature is not even meeting at the state capitol, that was never the plan. Uh, We talked with Philip Van Cleaver, the Virginia Citizens Defense League, who said, look, we're doing this mobile rally. Uh, Folks are going to be driving into their cars. And there were thousands of individuals who did exactly that. Uh, Again, everything was peaceful. Everything was calm. Glad to see it. Uh, So I wasn't really planning on talking about Virginia again today, but... This is an election year in Virginia. In November, we're going to vote for a governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. Every seat in the House of Delegates is up for election. Uh, Basically, every elected position um, except for the state Senate uh, in state government is up for election this November. And Terry McAuliffe uh, is the Democrat frontrunner who is running for governor, and he has unveiled his gun control platform. Uh, And I don't think that this is actually Virginia-specific. Even if you don't live anywhere near Virginia, if you live in a swing state, if you live in a state where Democrats may even have control, but not, let's say, a supermajority, not not New York, not California, uh, but uh, let's say New Mexico, for example, I think that the agenda released by Terry McAuliffe is going to be a blueprint for anti-gun politicians who want to present themselves as moderate on the issue. Uh, So this was the tweet from Terry McAuliffe uh, earlier today. He said, this morning I released my plan to prevent gun violence and protect Virginians. I'm a lifelong advocate for common sense gun laws and was the first Southern governor elected with an F rating from the NRA. Here's how we get this done. So before we even get into his plan, let's, let's note here, That in 2019, the year before Virginia Democrats passed the first gun control laws in the state of Virginia in nearly 30 years, in 2019, the state of Virginia, excuse me, the Commonwealth of Virginia, I I got dinged from several folks uh, as I said, it's not a state, it's a Commonwealth. Okay. The Commonwealth of Virginia had the 46th lowest violent crime rate in the country. That's right. We were one of the safest states in the nation in 2019 before Democrats put any of their gun control laws on the books. What happened in 2020? Well, like much of the rest of the country, violent crime went up in Virginia. The difference between Virginia and these other states is that we had a bunch of Democrat lawmakers who told us this was going to reduce crime. Right? These new restrictions on the carrying of firearms that municipalities could put in place, the red flag law, the background check bill, all of those were supposed to make crime go down. They did not. And no surprise, because these were all items that were aimed at legal gun owners. And sadly, that is the centerpiece of Terry McAuliffe's campaign, and I suspect the campaign of other uh, anti-gun Democrats at the state level. So let's, let's look at McAuliffe's plan. This is from Terry McAuliffe's website. I'm not taking anything out of context. 
This is what McAuliffe himself has to say. First agenda item, ban the sale of military-style assault firearms and high-capacity magazines, he says. Virginia has experienced firsthand the detrimental effects of gun violence. We've lived through horrific tragedies at Virginia Tech and in Virginia Beach. No family, he says, should have to experience such anguish again. Military-style, semi-automatic assault firearms with high-capacity magazines are weapons of war and have no place on our streets. These weapons, he says, are specifically designed to increase lethality and are often used during mass shootings because they allow a person who wants to harm people to quickly claim lives. By the way, do you notice a lot of emotion there? Not a lot of facts, right? Oh, these are scary guns. Boy, these are guns that are designed for battlefield weapons of war. Not really. These are the most common centerfire rifles sold in America today. And quote-unquote high-capacity magazines? Well, the National Shooting Sports Foundation estimates that there are about 75 million handgun magazines with a capacity of greater than 10 rounds that are in private hands across the country. When it comes to rifle magazines that can hold more than 30 rounds, about 80 million of these magazines in private hands already. These items are in common use. I believe they're protected by the Second Amendment. And by the way, our military doesn't use AR-15s. These are semi-automatic firearms. Technology has been around for over well over 100 years. These aren't new. But Terry McAuliffe didn't care about any of that. Terry McAuliffe cares about a gun ban. He says the 2020 Virginia General Assembly failed to pass critical legislation that would have prohibited all future sales of these weapons and banned magazines that hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition. Terry was not afraid to stand up to extremist groups like the NRA when he ran for and served as Virginia's 72nd governor, and he's not afraid now. He'll take bold action and get this life-saving legislation passed. All right, so let's talk about the bill that failed last year, because it is a little bit different than the one that Terry McAuliffe is proposing. So if Terry McAuliffe is so big and bold on guns, why isn't he backing Governor Ralph Northam's proposal, which not only would have banned the future sale of said firearms and magazines, but would have actually told existing gun owners to hand them over? Why isn't McAuliffe backing Ralph Northam's plan? Why is he watering it down and uh, saying, well, you know, grandfather clause, you know, stop the future sale, but he didn't say anything about the current possession. Now, it's very possible that if Terry McAuliffe gets elected, the legislation that would be introduced would not have a grandfather ban. We know that's what Democrats really want. They don't, want to, they don't want to grandfather anybody, and they don't want to say, yeah, 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 you own those guns for years and years, and you haven't caused a problem, so you're fine. No, they don't think you should own the guns that you currently own. They don't think you should be able to possess the magazines that are currently in your possession. So, frankly, I don't believe Terry McAuliffe when he tries to present this moderate face of gun control, but it does get worse. Uh, he also wants to change Virginia's background check law. He says, after decades of advocacy, the Democratic-controlled legislature finally passed sweeping legislation to require background checks on all firearm sales during the 2020 General Assembly session. This monumental bill, he said, closed dangerous... I'm sorry, I'm laughing because... Well, hang on, we'll get to that. The monumental bill closed dangerous loopholes in Virginia law that previously only required dealers with a federal firearms license to perform background checks prior to selling a gun and allowed people to buy guns at gun shows online or from private sellers without undergoing a background check. We know the background checks save lives because they keep guns out of the hands of people who should not have them. Now that Virginia has required background checks on all gun sales, we must expand the law to cover transfers of ownership. It's simple, he says. If you want to give a gun to a friend, the person receiving it should have to undergo a background check. We also need to ensure that the law is clear, that individuals under the age of 21 cannot purchase handguns, period. 
And Terry will further explore the possibility of requiring waiting periods for gun purchases as well. So let's talk about Virginia's background check bill. The one that got passed last year is now the law of the land in Virginia. And what a freaking mess this law is. So right now in Virginia, the law says that if you are selling a gun, as Chairman Collins said, if you're selling a gun to anybody, it doesn't matter, your brother, your sister, neighbor, stranger, doesn't matter. If you're selling a gun, then that has to go through a background check. The problem is that many gun stores right now are not doing background checks on private transfers. A, they don't have the time. They're a little busy right now, right? So, and there's no, uh, gun stores are not compelled to conduct these background checks. You, as the seller of the gun, are required to put the purchaser through a background check, but gun stores are not required to actually help you along in that process. So many of them are not. Some that are, are obviously charging fees to do so, which adds to the cost of uh, purchasing this firearm. And by the way, doesn't stop a single criminal from illegally obtaining a firearm. Why? Because there is no way to proactively enforce this law. And even if Terry McAuliffe were to uh, get his way and require all transfers of firearms, not even all sales, but all transfers of firearms to go through a background check, frankly, that would just make matters worse. Because now you're going to have more transactions that should go through a background check. You're still going to have the same number of gun stores saying, I'm not going to do it, don't have time. You're still going to have other gun stores say, well, you know, I'll get around to it, but it's going to cost you some money if you do. And criminals don't give a damn. Because there is no way to proactively enforce this law. At best, at best, this is a charge that you could tack on after a crime has been committed, after somebody's been arrested. You ask, where'd you get the gun? Well, my friend Dave sold it to me. Well, did you go through a background check? No. All right, well, now we're going to charge Dave with a misdemeanor, and now we'll charge you with a misdemeanor, too. By the way, misdemeanor. Yeah. Criminals don't care about this law, and they're not going to care about this law. Again, this is a law that is aimed squarely at legal gun owners and creating a crime where one does not exist. He also wants to, uh, quote, prohibit open carry of firearms in certain public spaces and allow localities to intervene when there are public safety threats. He says Virginia passed legislation during the 2020 session allowing localities to regulate firearms in certain spaces like in government buildings and during permanent events. Uh, more and more, though, he says extremist groups are descending on places like government buildings and polling places with swaths of firearms to intimidate the public or incite violence. And that's in now, he says. It's simple. Guns have no place in our democratic process. People have a constitutional right to participate in the government process. Accordingly, public spaces that belong to the people should remain safe, open and welcoming spaces for children and people of all ages. Additionally, local leaders should have broader authority to prohibit open carry in their jurisdictions when there are public safety, credible public safety threats, he says. Terry recognizes that the constant presence of dangerous firearms erodes people's ability to feel safe and exercise their right to participate in the government process. As governor, Terry will take action to protect our citizens by prohibiting open carry in certain public spaces and giving local leaders the flexibility they need to protect their communities. Do you notice that that was a lot of blah, 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 without a lot of specificity? about what those public spaces would be. What public spaces, Terry? If there need to be more that you say are banned to the open carry of firearms, then what are they? And what other powers would you like to give local governments to enforce local gun bans, or at least the bans on open carrying of firearms? 
Note as well, by the way, the language that McAuliffe uses is not necessarily confined to opposition to open carry, right? Terry recognizes that the constant presence of dangerous firearms erodes people's ability to feel safe and exercise their right to participate uh, in democracy or in the government process. Sounds to me like uh, Terry McAuliffe is opposed to the carrying of firearms in general, whether or not he is proposing specific legislation to uh, outlaw it. So a ban on the most commonly sold rifles in the country, a ban on the most commonly sold magazines in the country, adding more red tape to the legal transfers of firearms while doing nothing to prohibit criminals, and banning the open carrying of firearms in certain places while, again, not doing anything about individuals who are committing violent crimes with a firearm. And the reason why I bring this up is because Terry McAuliffe, also on his website, I don't have a, a, a graphic for you here, but this is, I'm quoting from Terry McAuliffe's website, under the, uh, the Terry's Vision section, boldly reforming our criminal justice system to create a more equitable commonwealth. And here's what he says, quote, for too long, Virginia has embraced a tough-on-crime approach to criminal justice that is focused on punishment rather than rehabilitation and has been plagued by systemic racism and lack of funding. This approach has led to the over-policing, over-criminalization, and over-incarceration of black and brown Virginians. Now, Terry, I want to make one thing clear to you. If you believe that, then you can't support your own gun control agenda. You can't, because if you believe that the tough on crime approach, which, by the way, did I mention that Virginia had the fourth lowest violent crime rate in the nation in 2019? So it seems to me like getting tough on crime actually works to reduce violent crime. But if you're concerned about systemic racism, if you're concerned about over-policing, over-criminalization, why on earth are you trying to put more laws on the books that would put people in prison for nonviolent possessory offenses that you have created out of thin air, that you have created where the Second Amendment stands right now. You can't have it both ways, Terry McAuliffe. You can have your gun control bills, but guess what? That is a tough-on-crime approach. When you're trying to put people in prison because they have a magazine that's too big for your liking, you're over-criminalizing people. You're over-incarcerating people. And you're over-policing people. There's no other way around it. Now, they're going to try to talk out of both sides of the mouth again. This is not going to be limited specifically to Terry McAuliffe. We're going to hear a lot of this from Democrats this year. We've got to do something about the criminal justice system. Oh, also, by the way, we need to put more people in prison for uh, nonviolent offenses. Yeah, they're going to be doing that a lot. And gun owners have to call them out every single time. Every single time that they do it. So, again... This is what Terry McAuliffe has in store for the state of Virginia. I imagine, though, that uh, you're going to be seeing very similar proposals this year from a lot of other Democratic governors and anti-gun politicians around the country. It is uh, critically important, again, to stay informed, to stay involved, to stay engaged, and to keep talking to your lawmakers, keep pushing back against these unconstitutional, unconstitutional? No, unconstitutional and unconscionable. Try that again. Unconstitutional. See, I should probably edit this, but I don't like to edit. Unconstitutional and unconscionable gun control laws. All right. Let's get to today's armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day 
and our recidivist report. We're going to start there with a a story out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where a a man accused of murdering a 25-year-old who was out walking his dog. Turns out this uh, suspect released from prison on reduced bail just a couple of weeks ago. That is a 20-year-old Davis Josephus. And according to authorities, two weeks ago, he was before a judge, actually before two separate judges, uh, charged with a violent carjacking of an Uber driver. By the way, you know, again, Uber driver can't defend himself thanks to Uber's policies. He was charged with a violent carjacking of an Uber driver. He paid $2,000 bail after a judge reduced the bail from $100,000 to $20,000. He only paid 10% and you're gone. Uh, For allegedly assaulting and threatening a corrections officer while in custody, Josephus paid $1,200 reduced bail after a different judge reduced bail in that case from $20,000 to $12,000. He paid a total of $3,200, got out on these serious violent charges, and then just a couple of weeks later, as uh, Milan Lunkar was walking his dog through the brewery town neighborhood of Philadelphia, Josephus and another man allegedly stopped him, rifled through his pockets. Uh, Longcar did not put up a fight, but he was still shot in the chest and was brutally murdered. Now the district attorney, by the way, said, well, this never should have happened when the DA has been light on crime since he took office. So even the DA doesn't want anything to do with this. But again, you want to reduce violent crime? You don't make it harder for Milan Longcar to go get a gun like Terry McAuliffe would do. You know, say, well, you know, Milan, we're not sure if Milan should be openly carrying. No, you go after guys like Davis Josephus. And when they're arrested for a violent crime, you don't give them a slap on the wrist and send them on their merry way. You don't let them pay pennies on the dollar and then get out on a low amount of bail. If someone is a threat to the community, as Mr. Josephus appears to be, you can actually hold them without bail until their trial. Terry McAuliffe would never do such a thing. Because, of course, he's too interested in going after you and me and our gun rights. Uh, All right, on to our uh, armed citizen story of the day. South Carolina, where an attempted armed robber was shot and killed inside of a home in Myrtle Beach. This was uh, Monday night, uh, last Monday night, actually. I'm sorry, I'm just getting around to the story here. Uh, Responding officers found two people hurt inside the home, and they got a call about a, a robbery, both taken to the hospital. One person succumbed to their injury. Second person is expected to be okay. During the investigation, it was discovered that the person who died had actually gone into the residence with the intent to commit armed robbery, according to uh, local law enforcement. Myrtle Beach Police says, quote, he and another person knew each other previously. There was uh, no evidence of forced entry into the home. During the attempted robbery, uh, during the armed robbery attempt, the deceased suffered a gunshot wound. The uh, investigation does continue. Looks like the homeowner, though, is going to be okay. And at this point, it looks to be a case of self-defense. We'll let you know if there are any updates. Uh, finally today, we've got our uh, good guy of the day, or our good, good deed of the day. Excuse me, got a little confused there. Uh, this from North Carolina, Robeson County, where first responders teamed up to raise more than $1,200 to help a local paramedic pay their medical bills. This was the uh, town of Pembroke, Fire, as well as uh, Pembroke Rescue and EMS, coordinating the effort to help uh, Ellery Locklear, that's her right there, uh, pay her medical expenses. According to authorities, the uh, first responders organized the event to uh, serve the 
EMS worker who has helped save lives on the rescue squad for at least a decade. There was a sudden onset medical emergency that caused Locklear to be hospitalized. Uh, Pembroke Rescue Chief um, Matt Marcinki says she is more than a friend. She's family. Uh, so they had this car wash Saturday afternoon at the uh, fire department. They said they had a really good turnout. It was a success. They said that some people arrived just to drop off donations or to get their car washed. Others who were unable to attend donated online. Uh, Marcinski said, quote, we more than exceeded our expectations for it, which is good. Uh, the uh, chief there in the area says um, that Ellery Locklear was discharged from the hospital on Sunday. She plans to uh, recover at her home, uh, and they are going to uh, give 100% of all of the money donated to uh, help pay her medical bills. So uh, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to help out a uh, colleague. We thank the folks there in uh, Pembroke, North Carolina, for their very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. Also, we are on Rumble at Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. You can find us there as well. And we'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. In the meantime, be well. Be safe and be free.